Pollock trying to steer around. Picked off center. They score! Feather back over to Manny. Splits the defense. His shot. He scores! Back in his own end there was Shillington. Hard collision. BL centering feed. They score! This is Cuda Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein. We are Redeem Shimmick days away from the 2019-20 home opener. Hello, everybody. Nick Nolenberger here alongside Joey Goldstein, marketing manager. We had a little bit of a sabbatical in terms of our podcast because we had the broadcast equipment updated, refurbished, redialed and ready to go for the upcoming season. So we had to take a week off, but... Uh, hopefully you're hearing a nice new sound. Yeah, hopefully it's sound. not a, kind of a granular sound when we turn the dials and we, you know, try to turn things up and down. There's not that uh, rough kind of rustic sound, not a natural sound. So we got everything cleaned up, getting ready for the season. The first time I've uh, had the equipment fully cleaned and they, they fixed a couple of the pots and I think we're ready to go. I don't know. I'm excited. It's like getting uh, new equipment. For me, it's it's uh, kind of nerding out on this. I'm pumped. I got the gear ready to go. It's dialed, so I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited I, for hockey season. Yeah, I'm right excited. There. I mean, I'm not certainly. I'm excited for you that you got your equipment cleaned. <laughs> uh, it doesn't uh, it doesn't resonate with me quite as much as it does with you, uh, but I guess I could compare it to a few things on my side of the 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 business and the industry that get get me real excited. But no, it's uh, definitely hockey season. Is it's it's getting closer. We're only a couple weeks away from, you know, things really starting to pick up with the rookie tournament and training camp, and guys are already slowly starting to make their way back into town. So, uh, only a couple more weeks of kind of sitting around waiting for everybody to return, but they'll be here soon enough. I guess I could equate it to if you had a computer that was really slow because it was bogged down with, with tons of storage taken up. You get it cleaned up. It's running quickly. That's how I feel. I feel like everything's running smoothly how it should be. Um, but yeah, man, we are almost there. It's pretty crazy. Almost to the end of August. Once you get to September, you feel like you're pretty much in it. Rookies will start arriving. Uh, I believe uh, the sign-up date, basically for them to be here officially, is September 3rd. Um, that gears them up for a couple days in San Jose before heading down to Southern California for the rookie tournament. Rookie face-off is what they're calling it in Anaheim at the new facility uh, in Irvine, the, the Ducks practice facility. So that should be a few uh, fun days um, down there. And um, yeah, like you mentioned, a couple guys are already in town. Manny Weider already in town. Alexander Trueweider, of course, uh, coming off injury. So getting here early, training, getting the knee strong. Um, saw him the other day. You saw him too. He looks good. Looks like uh, you know he's on the right track to mm-hmm. to get back. Uh, I don't know if he'll be ready for the start of the season. I, I don't know the exact. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I remember talking to him last year, and you know, towards the end of the season, asking him kind of what the what the plan was, and you know, he was slowly making his way on the ice towards the end of last season uh obviously joining us for playoffs or anything like that was kind of out of the question uh he was on the ice at development camp this summer though he didn't take part in any of the game action uh, but he was out there doing drills my guess is he's very close if not ready to go full steam into training camp may 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 take him a couple days to kind of from the actually clear him and green light him but my, my guess is is if he can be out on the ice and be a full participant, he's going to be, but I don't know. Yeah, not we're not doctors here, but I, I think the, it tends to be with, you know, nowadays with the surgery and as quick as these guys get back, it's roughly, you know, a six to anywhere eight, nine-month injury. Mm-hmm. So if he's on the shorter end of it, then, yeah, he'd be pretty much ready to go in the next month or so. So yeah. um, I, def- just, def- I just remember him saying at the end of last year, like the goal was for training camp to kind of be ready to go and yep. skate in training camp. So, um I'm sure he's anxious to get back on the ice, especially a guy who's 
I don't know if this is the last year his rookie deal, if he's coming up on that. Actually, it probably is last year his rookie deal. So it's kind of a year where he's got to kind of go out and, and make an impact if he wants to you know, have a place in this organization moving forward. I think I was watching a video. It's Matt Dumbo who plays for the Minnesota Wild. And I want to say he had some sort of injury last year where he was out for a while. And, uh, you know, he had trouble just for the mental side of, like, not knowing what to do. You're kind of hanging out. You can't really practice, maybe doing a little stuff on the side. But you almost don't feel like you're part of the team. You're almost an outsider. With a guy like Manny Weeder with as much of a social kind of light as he is, likes to be around the guys, enjoys talking to people, I'm sure that was a tough kind of transition for him just to not be a part of it, right? Sure. But I also think our, our team, I think the Sharks do a good job of this too. If When a guy's out, he's injured, it's not like he's on his own, right? I mean, Manny was around all the time. He was there on game days. He's there on practice days while he's not out on the ice when guys are in the weight room or guys are in the lounge and eating lunch, like he's with all them. He still goes out with all them and they, they golf and, or whatever he's able to do, you know, they, they all hang out. There's a very close knit group last year. So I, I don't know if he'll have that. I think the biggest thing is kind of what we heard Jeremy Waugh say after his injuries where you got to, it's a mental aspect and getting used to, you know, just putting that in the back of your mind. Like, oh, can I cut this way? Can I turn this way? Is anything going to happen? You kind of just have to put that out of your mind. I think that's probably the biggest mental obstacle that there is with an injury like this. Yeah, and it's, it is somewhat of a – I mean, you see it's so common in football with a sport where you're cutting and you're <laughs> doing more of those, you know, side-to-side movements and they're really sudden. Hockey, you just don't see as many knee injuries in the fashion you mentioned. Jeremy Wall went through the same type of thing. Um, Wooders was a bit of a fluke. He took kind of a massive hit in a <laughs> game against Ontario. I think it was Curtis McDermott who got him. Yeah. Um, down there, I remember the injury pretty vividly, but um, good to see him back. I mean, this is a guy that I think can fill a really big role for this group. Um, you saw it last year in the fact of what he can supply. Great speed, speed guy, kills penalties. Um, and Evan Weinger kind of filled a similar yeah, role. Yeah, that's the kind of, that's what I think is one of the biggest pieces that you're getting back, is you're getting a guy who's, he's, he's probably not a top six role. He's more of a middle six or a bottom six role but he's a guy who's going to kind of grind and like you said kill he's a huge penalty killer for us so that was a big having Evan Weinger come on as strong as he did last year was big for us because Weeder was that huge piece that we had lost so now you still have Weinger you still have Johnny Mack and you're putting in a guy like Manny it just makes your penalty killing unit that much stronger yeah it gives you some good depth on the PK and you know, it's an interesting, it's not a surprise, but when I call these guys, you know, we're doing our annual catch-up series. We'll reach out to players and see what they've been up to. And, you know, they tend to be directed towards, you know, what has your summer been up to away from the rink? What type of fun have you had? But also, what is your training regimen? What are you trying to work on? What are you trying to improve on to take the next step? And the number one thing everyone says is the game is turning to such a speed game. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to work on my strength, but predominantly work on my speed. Yeah. I mean, you've got a guy like Manny Weeder naturally is a blazer. I mean, you know, he's got the tools in the toolbox to be an excellent American Hockey League player. And in my opinion, you know, if he puts it all together and continues the maturation process, obviously needs to be healthy, puts another strong season together. I mean, speed is the name of the game nowadays. And he's mm-hmm. a guy I think who could potentially, you know, push for some sort of NHL opportunity because, you know, at the AHL level, he's an elite speed guy and you just can't, you know, find those guys. You don't just find them on the shelf every day. Yeah, no, it's, uh, he kind of reminds me of a guy who's similar, almost like Melker Carlson-like. Yeah, sure. Where it's, you know, when Melker played in the American Hockey League in his very small sample size, he wasn't lighting the world on fire. You know, he, he wasn't scoring a ton of goals, registering a ton of points. I mean, he definitely had his fair share. 
but it wasn't anything eye-popping like you see some of these you know, established NHL players do when they were playing the American League. But one thing with Melkers, he, the, he was always on the puck, around the puck, had the puck on his stick. He was just always in the middle of the play, and that's what has made Melkers so good on the NHL level is he's always involved, and he plays hard, and he plays fast. That's what Manny brings. So like you said, if he can round it out, there's, and I'm not saying it's going to happen here in San Jose or wherever it may end up, but he's certainly got the, the buildup and the, the makeup to be a Melko Carlson-type player where he's a crucial piece on a penalty kill and a bottom six role for an NHL franchise. Yep, sure. And, I mean, as you see it all the time. You saw it even with, um, you know, up the NHL level last year with St. Louis. You can't have all the same guys, right? Everybody mm-hmm. can't be the same mold. You've got to have different guys filling different roles. And as you mentioned, I think Carlson's a great example. You know, if you could do all the, the detail-oriented things, if you're doing what the coach staff wants, you, you take up those gritty minutes, you know, you have a big value and a big role potentially at the next level. So hopefully uh, Manny's on the mend. It looks like he's doing good and uh, getting back to health. We touched on uh, the rookie faceoff that's coming up in September. Last year it was in Las Vegas. The year before it was hosted by San Jose. The year before that in Colorado. It almost seems like it's an annual thing now in which, uh, you know, expected every year a different team's going to host it. Next year it looks like it's probably going to be in Arizona. Um, so every team just kind of taking over that role. It'd be fun, though, to see. It's your first kind of glimpse at uh, some of the young players that you'll see with the Barracuda, maybe some guys you'll see maybe a year or two um, down the road. But um, we're always looking for different angles, different storylines that we can pitch to you know local riders and, and different people in the region. But one uh, that kind of came across my desk recently, and I thought it was a great point, um, was the California connection. When you get these rookies together, it's the first time we're seeing, and we did see them last year, but um, Sasha Shemalevsky, a Southern California native. Evan Weinger, a Southern California mm-hmm. native. Jake McGrew, a Southern California native. That's three guys all from the state of California. Plus, they're going to be coached by Roy Sommer over the four-day event. He's a Californian. So, mm-hmm. you know, historically for the Sharks, they've had a guy here, Matt Nieto, um, who was a California-born um, player. But not, I don't think, in the quantity, never, never you know, to have many, no. three, is that's a big deal, three, right? Mm-hmm. And that just kind of shows the direction um, that the pro game is going and the direction that California is going in terms of producing um, talented young hockey players. Yeah, no, it's – I'm curious. I wonder how many other teams that are going to be in this tournament have California connections aside from just playing in L.A. or Anaheim. Like, I'm, I'm curious to see. I, I feel like uh, Anaheim within their system has – at least one or two guys who are from I know Chase DeLeo, he's the guy who's not going to be at the rookie tournament, mm-hmm. but a guy who's, you know, in their system, played yeah. last year in San Diego as a Southern California kid. Um, certainly it seems like, you know, there's always a guy or two on each one of these rosters mm-hmm. from, you know, whether it's California or the Southwest or, you know, just the Western part of the United States. Um, and nowadays you see it so often where these California guys are either going and playing Division One hockey or going up into the Western Hockey League. You just see more and more getting opportunities because of the population size in the state of California. There's a lot more that are coming from yeah. so- well, the game's SoCal. Just, the game's just growing in general, For right? Sure. I mean, you For look sure. at Arizona, the, the spike they've had just because of Austin Matthews, and you look at the success of the teams that have been in California, and it, just naturally there's a spike there as well. So, and And – you know, hopefully you, you, you get more and more of these guys who fit that Austin Matthews mold where they are superstars who are born and raised in California and you know, these big hockey markets, whether it's L.A. or Anaheim or San Jose, it just kind of helps 
grow the game yeah. even more than it has been. Yeah, it's one thing to have a guy who's a bit of a fringe pro guy. It's another to have a superstar like yeah. Matthews. I think Matthews opened everybody's eyes up to what, uh, you know, this region of the of the country could produce, you know, with as big as the game is getting. And, you know, these facilities just keep popping up. The NHL teams continue to put money back into these communities. And with the AHL bringing all the American League teams out west, I mean, that only continues to, to fill those pockets and build those hockey communities um, in these different regions of the state. So uh, I think that's a cool story. It'll be uh, one of many stories going into uh, the showcase. The roster hasn't officially been released, so we don't know exactly who's going to be on the team. We have an idea. It'll be, you know, no college guys, obviously, at that point in the year. College guys are already back Mm -hmm. in college, but it will be some drafted guys over the last couple of years, some tryout guys, and and several guys you either saw last year with the Barracuda or we'll see this year. So, or that you've seen in years past, like a guy like a Noah Gregor, Joachim Blitz, yep, guys sure. who probably didn't play with us last year, but played with us the year before. So, guys who are expected to have an impact on the team this yep. year, those are all guys you'll you'll likely see. And those are guys that I think going into, you know, Sharks and Barracuda camp are guys that certainly everybody kind of has their eyes on oh, yeah. what they can accomplish. I think um, you don't want to set the bar too high with young players, uh, but the type of season that Gregor put together got all the way. You know, into the Memorial well, this, Cup. This, and, this whole season, I think, yeah. is, is one that, you know, this is the group that scouts have been excited for for a long time to finally come to fruition and all be pros at the same time. And some of the guys were ready last year. Some had to go season themselves up in juniors. But, you know, the, obviously, Chekovich and Shemaleski kind of lead the, lead the pack there as the, the two big names that people were expecting to, to come in and make a name for themselves. But Blickfield had to put up 114 points last year. He was player of the year in the WHL. He's, I mean, every, if you've, I know the Athletics put some stuff out and some different teams have been putting out, uh, you know, the prospect pools for the different NHL teams. And, and Blickfield's name is one that keeps showing up. And it's all kind of the same. He's a, he's a bigger body. He could still fill out a little bit. But he's got that, he's got a pro shot, very quick release. And he can score from anywhere on the ice. Obviously, he proved that in the WHL last year. Excited to see how that translates here. Noah Gregor is the same way. He's a guy who has always tested really well here. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if he can carry over the success he had in the postseason uh, with the the Raiders there in the WHL to kind of see if he can push that here. And those are just four of the guys that we got kind of coming in. There are a lot of other big names too. I mean, McGrew's probably a guy who could go back to juniors. I think he's eligible for another year. But if he was in camp and there's a spot for him, you kind of can't overlook that. So you never know what happens. He played really good last year in the rookie tournament in Vegas. Another guy, uh, Tristan Langan, who the the Barracuda signed, you know, about a month ago, finished second in the WHL. He's a guy who's probably probably not going to go back. I don't think he can go back. No, he'll be either in San Jose with the Cuda or potentially in the coast in in Orlando. But um, this would be an opportunity, a platform. And what's cool about this whole thing is – you know, you've got all the brass at these things. All the scouts are in town, all the front office, and from every team that's going to be at this thing that includes Anaheim and L.A., Arizona, Colorado, and San Jose, plus Vegas as well because Vegas hosted last year. So it's an opportunity to really get everybody together, chance that you don't usually get, especially when the season's going on, right. you know, because there's so many things happening. But, um, yeah, a lot of eyeballs um, on these guys and an opportunity to impress in front of the brass going yeah. into the into training camp and in the season. So I remember you came, coming back from the tournament last year and there were McGrew was obviously a guy everybody raved about but I'm pretty sure it wasn't last year his first year back from the injury. Yeah, his first he was full season, coming so, off in yep, the year before. But looking impressive yeah. nonetheless is is great. I remember you talking about Merkley 
and how just how you could tell how much potential was there. The way he jumps up into the play and moves the puck. There was I remember there was a lot of talk about Weinger and the way he played and how he kind of played fast, hard. He had a little bit of a bite to his his game too, which we saw at times with the Barracuda. So it's all it is nice to kind of you get to know these young guys a little bit more yeah. and see what you're going to expect out of them because it's it's game action. Yeah. They're seeing game action before the Sharks guys see it. They go to training camp a couple, you know, some time before those preseason games start. So it's good to you know, get your feet wet and go yeah. against the, some some top talent around our division. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, with these guys, again, an opportunity to showcase themselves and get ready for training camp, right, to get games. I was just mm-hmm. talking to Thomas Gregoire about that the other day, and, you know, he was just hoping to, you know, this year he has big plans of being a regular in the lineup, and, you know, it starts with the rookie tournament, mm-hmm. making that first impression, because Roy Sommer, who's going to be his coach in the American League, is going to have his eyes out. Probably give him a big opportunity to play some big minutes over these three games. We'll see if he plays all three, but he'll definitely play a couple, I would imagine, and another chance to kind of get off on the right mm-hmm. foot and establish yourself, because there's jobs open at the NHL level, and there's certainly jobs open at the American League level as well. We have a lot of young guys coming in, as we often do, and a lot of open opportunities, and, you know, it'll be a good competition, I think, up and down. Yeah, you know? Greg, Gregor is one of those guys. Roy's absolutely going to put him in positions to succeed. He's going to be, I guess, technically one of the veteran guys down there, uh, having been around the AHL for a little over a full season. He joined us at the end of the 17-18 season, so he's been around for a little bit. I would Roy will put him as a top pairing, as they did during development camp. He'll get time on the power play. And this is a guy, too, there are jobs in the NHL, but Thomas Gregoire is on an AHL deal, so he's still got to prove his worth that he's worthy of an NHL contract. So there's there's a lot on the line for a lot of these guys, and but having, I think, first and foremost, having all the brass there to keep an eye on you and, and the Barracuda coaching staff as well, uh, those are the guys you got to impress. Yeah, absolutely. So um, quickly, um, before we uh, continue on here, um, Andrew Shortridge, we got a little bit of an idea of what his mask is going to look like yeah. for this upcoming season. Often you see these goaltenders go strictly Sharks, obviously being a prospect and, and wanting to get the NHL and have a Sharks mask. But Shorty went a little bit different. I we saw it. a preview of it, but we do know one thing. It has a large Barracuda logo on it. And... Um, Pretty good look uh, for short short dog who he got the pads last year got yeah. the right color pads either yellow and uh, dark blue coming from Quinnipiac mm-hmm. got those fixed up right in time for playoffs had a mask uh, that they had done white and then there's a sticker they added some teal to it yeah. but this is yeah this is the first time we've seen a mask that's really Barracuda branded uh, I think Joel Rumple had one a couple years ago but he he wasn't really a, f- a full time guy here with the Barracuda like we're expecting. Shortridge to potentially be. Um, the goalie situation is obviously a, an interesting one to keep an eye on as we go into to training camp with, you know, I guess, five, six, uh, yeah, six eligible goalies to be playing on the Sharks and or Barracuda. Uh, and you don't know who's going to end up where, but uh, it'll be really cool to see that Barracuda branded mask. I wonder, yeah. I'm curious as to what the thought process was, right? Because, I mean, is he expecting to unless he's also ordering a sharks mask is he just kind of is it in his mind where he thinks he's going to hone his craft in the ahl for a year before really having a shot to crack the that nhl lineup or does he think he can truly go and compete with deller this year i, I don't know um but either way i love what he did i've seen goaltenders do that where you're almost you almost split the mask in half and we're only seeing that's a true side we've, of only it. Seen one, we've only seen one side if you want to check it out um we we, we 
retweeted on the uh, Barracuda page. Um, Eye Candy Air is the uh, is the company that is painting the mask. They also do Martin Jones mask. Um, Connor Hellebuck's another guy that they uh, paint his mask. They do a great job, but really cool mask. I would assume the other side's going to be a Sharks logo. I mean, you can kind of see yeah, hints of it. I don't um, know. We'll see, but uh, definitely on the, the side that they sh- showed was um, a Barracuda logo, which is pretty sweet. Um, I mean, it just goes back. We touched on I think, last time. But uh, one of the big discussions going into training camp is the goaltending position because there is a lot of them. Um, there's a lot of question marks. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity for, for different guys. But Shortridge, another guy they threw into the mix, signed last year out of college. And Highly touted. Expectations lot, are high for yeah. this guy. Yeah, I think he's a guy that he's, like I was talking about earlier, those prospect reports that everybody's putting out. Shortridge's name is one that's has come up in every report. And some of these reports – it's put Shortridge ahead of Coronar or Coronash and, and where they see this kid's potential. So a um, little bit older than, than the wall is right now, but and a little bit taller. Uh, but obviously Joe's got that extra experience, but certainly someone to keep an eye on. And, yeah, it, it's going to be a battle. Uh, you know, obviously Martin Jones and, and Aaron Dell kind of locked in up there. You've got Bebo and Coronash and now Shortridge on the Barracuda side. Zach Sawchenko's on an AHL deal, so he's in the mix as well for the Barracuda. So lots of things to kind of figure out. I don't know. I don't I mean we couldn't even begin to tell you how things are gonna shake out. Do the Barracuda carry three goalies? Does the two go down to the coast? Is there room for a two down a coast team? I mean, I, there's so many things to consider um, this time of year, but that's what training camp's good for, right? Yes. Internal competition, and that's exactly what Doug and Joe are looking for when they're bringing these guys in. Yep, and to touch on short reach quickly, Doug Wilson Jr. deals kind of with all the scouting staff, runs the scouting department. You know, he talked about Shortridge when they initially signed him, and, you know, they saw him with uh, legitimate NHL potential. Mm-hmm. You mentioned his size. It's um, the size you're looking for, north of 6'2". Um, but we'll see. It's going to be a good competition. Obviously, a, a tremendous rookie year last year for uh, Yosef. Antoine Bebo, kind of the grizzled vet in that group, but coming off an all-star season the year before, um, split time. So he's certainly going to have a say in uh, kind of who takes the reins. And we've seen it over our first four four years with this team. I mean, year number one, I think everybody probably thought Troy Grosnick was going to take that role. Aaron Dell took it. Yep. He pawned that into an opportunity in the NHL. Then you think Grosnick's going to take over the job and push maybe Dell again, and Tuan Bebo took over. So yeah. the following year, you think Bebo's going to be legitimately the number one guy? Well, Yosef Kornosh, if you look at the statistics, probably had a better season last year. So you just really never know. But and you can look at it on the flip side, too. You know. Maybe maybe Coronash or Dell or Bebo push Dell for the backup sure. job. Absolutely, and, and I think that that's could make, it could make Aaron Dell expendable. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot. There's just so many options, and it's yeah. tough decisions for the hockey ops team to make. But uh, I mean, to me personally, I think obviously you've got the the fourth line center roles and these wing roles. I'm keeping an eye most on the the goaltending situation because I think that's going to have the biggest impact on the Barracuda as to how that all shakes sure. out. Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody. You know, in the hockey world, who has their eyes on Northern California, goaltending is near the top of the, the biggest discussions going in um, to this training camp. One note on Aaron Dell. I think everybody saw the pads that he oh, uh, plans on rocking. I like those. I like mode. these, this, this black mask. pads. Check them out. I think the Sharks retweeted them. Uh, everybody was kind of talking about them. It kind of took the internet, oh. the, at least the hockey internet, over uh, yesterday. Yeah, They're pretty good looking. Dell's always been a guy, I mean, he's very into his his setup and his equipment as most goalies probably are but he's seems like one of the few around the nhl or just in pro hockey in general who who try to be a little bit flashier and do things that are different 
And we saw it last year. He had kind of a, a shark fin type design in his, his setup last year. But this one, these black stealth pads, and I don't know if he's wearing them year round or just when they wear these stealth jerseys, but they are sick. Yeah, they are. And they are if they sick. become available in the equipment sale, I'm sure they're going to be a very, very, very hot commodity at the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. And most of the time they do come up. So uh, we'll have to wait and see, but they are sharp. They are cool looking. Um, again, a little bit outside of the box, and it's traditional. And to see a darker pad too is a little bit, yeah. um, a little bit more rare. Um, quick note: um, it was announced today the Tucson Roadrunner, Roadrunners um, signed John Martin, former uh, Barracuda forward Martin, who spent the last three years um, with the Barracuda. Spent a little bit, a little bit of time down uh, in the ECHL as well as first season, but really had a breakout year last year. Um, offensively elevated his game to a level he had never been at. Uh, he continued to uh, display a lot of toughness, dropped the mitts quite a few times. Uh, I believe he was only behind Jeffrey Vial in terms of fighting majors. Um, opportunity was no surprise. It uh, had, had come to an end here in San Jose just because of, you know, with all the forwards coming yeah. in and, and just new guys into the fold. Uh, Martin, one of those guys, you know, on the outside looking in. So he gets an opportunity in the desert. I think uh, from, you know, from, all indications, obviously, I think most guys would. Looking for a two-way deal, looking for an opportunity in that department. Sounds like he just signed an AHL contract, but we'll get a chance to, to prove himself uh, in Tucson, and we'll we'll see him eight times this year as a member now of the Roadrunners. Yeah, and, and it's an AHL deal, but you know, if he can continue to build out the success he had with us last year, then there's I don't see any reason why he couldn't pawn it into you know an NHL contract. But yeah, he's a guy who we will see plenty of times this season. Uh, Honestly, probably a guy I, I wouldn't want to play against too much because he is a big physical body, and obviously I'm sure he's there's a bit of a chip on his shoulder that he's not here anymore, and now mm-hmm. he's going to be playing against us, so he's going to be playing a little bit tougher, a little bit harder in those games. We saw with Adam Haluka when he came in last year with, uh, with Tucson. He kind of just lit us up a little <laughs> bit. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be good to see him. You know, come in. I think fans enjoy John Martin, so it'll be nice for them to see him as well. Uh, but you know, we, we you see it all the time. Sometimes a fresh start is just what you need. Yeah. And uh, oh, it'll be it'll be good for John, and and hopefully he doesn't uh, he doesn't hurt us too much when Tucson <laughs> comes to town. Do wish him the best of luck, though. A guy that uh, was here for all three seasons that I've been here so far. Mm-hmm. So great guy. Um, had a great season last year. Again, just a little bit on the outside looking in with all the new forwards coming into the fold. But, again, we'll get an opportunity in the desert with um, the Tucson Roadrunners. So, as we look down the line, it's going to be the rookie showcase early September. That'll lead into training camp, then the Barracuda training camp. And then at the end of uh, the month of September, we'll have those two preseason games against the Colorado Eagles. And then, you know, we're off and running in the regular season right at the start of October. Um we had the promotional schedule come out. We did touch on that the last time we spoke, but mm-hmm. some big events uh, um, throughout the season we're excited about. Uh, Pucks and Paws will be returning. We'll have another Kids Day, um, nearly a giveaway promotion almost every single night this year. Um, we did have a couple schedule changes. If you're, you're not aware, go to sjbarracuda.com, and you can update your uh, schedule um, and print out a new schedule for the upcoming season. So just an FYI on that, we did have a couple schedule changes um, with building conflicts. Um, so again, you can you can update your schedule, print out your PDF, and uh, for the first time, we have that combo schedule where it is both the Sharks and the Barracuda on the same sheet of paper, which is a nice little convenient thing as well. So I'm trying to build out a tweet. Oh no, so I send out every time our, some of our former guys sign anywhere. I send out you know a good luck tweet. So this is the welcome to the inside <laughs> of social media here. 
Is it uh, so wishing John Martin luck in Tucson, not wishing Tucson luck when they play us? So, I think that's either. fair yeah. enough. <laughs> fair enough. Well, it's out there, so I hit oh, send. It's set. Um, yeah, so anyways, promo schedule. Yeah, I think we did touch on it a little bit, uh, but I think this is this may be the first time in depth where we can really get into it. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, it's been a while since we last were on the podcast, but... No, we do have some some really cool things planned. Obviously, uh, the especially jerseys are the big ones that have gone out there. Uh, now that they're out there for people to see, uh, they've gotten some great reception, some great feedback. Lots of uh, people are kind of split on which ones they like the most. I think the Hockey Fights Cancer jerseys are getting a lot of love, and the Churros jerseys are getting a lot of love from the people who are familiar with the San Jose Giants. Uh, but the 408 jerseys are very popular. The Cuda Country Night jerseys, where they're kind of country western themed, have been very hit or miss. But a lot of people, like I've seen plenty of people say that they, they have to be here for that night as well. Um, the player creation jerseys are going to be pretty cool uh, once we once we get guys to start designing those. And the fifth anniversary jerseys kind of kind of following in that Sharks stealth type of setup, uh, where it's just our black Barracuda blackout night, and th- so those jerseys are pretty sweet as well. Um, should be good. We're we're excited about what we got. This this bobblehead setup is going to be great once you once we uh, reveal how that's going to work. So you're definitely going to want to be here for the home opener when we announce all of our plans for that uh, and that bobblehead giveaway series. Roy's going to get his own bobblehead. Uh, we had some other things in the works too, adding on to some of these bigger nights uh, that I think people are going to really like. Um, so yeah, lot, lots of good stuff happening. There's there's no shortage of promotions whether it's a major theme a giveaway especially jersey we're going to have eventually rolling out soon food and beverage deals uh that may be a little bit different than years past but still very very exciting and attractive things for for fans of all ages to take part in so uh yeah you know we're just plugging along getting ready to go yeah i'm excited for the hockey fights get your, as you saw and i tried to tie you into it um I got asked to dye my hair purple for that game. Yeah, so and I, I admitted to I meant to, it. I meant to you call know, you out a, on this because it's, a, it's uh, a good cause. Yeah, it's a good cause. I'm starting to backtrack a little bit. So you what, can't. No, yeah, and you I know, can't. I know. This uh, is, this but is, you tried to loop me into it for whatever reason, and this was never I'm my maybe thing. Maybe try to get the whole staff on it. You know, it's, <sighs> this is you know we're supporting big time. You know, the guys wearing jerseys. Maybe we'll dye our hair. What we have to do, it has to be temporary dye. Obviously, yeah. can't last yeah. longer than 24 hours. Sure. Uh, I will 100% be on board. If I can't find a temporary purple dye, I'm thinking maybe find a purple suit. Maybe get some. I mean, I want to go beyond a purple tie. I really want to. Sure. I really want to. Well, go so for it. I'm sure there's purple hair dye, like the the wash, the stuff that washes out. Um, in fact, that's something that we're trying to find to see if we can get on the concourse for that day, just in general. Where we did that a couple of years ago for Pink in the Rink, where fans could get their hair dyed pink with the stuff that washes out. So. We're hoping to be able to do that with purple too. Um, yeah, I mean, you've definitely got to do it. You don't have an out. Yeah, I, I said I would do uh, it for I, me. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I don't have a ton of hair to dye to begin with, but <laughs> maybe we can get the beard going. Yeah, I maybe don't the know. beard. We'll I like see. that. We'll see. We'll see. And we could talk to Aaron Fonseca about purple suits because I'm sure he has. Yeah, a I almost guarantee Aaron Fonseca will have a purple suit. I was I actually saw one the other day. I didn't pull the trigger on it, but I'm thinking I think I'm going to find one for. <laughs> for it so it'll be fun though i mean we've been talking about the, the hockey fights cancer for a while nhl is really taking yeah. um 
over on this and really push the initiative. Great cause, obviously, um, but a little bit different with us because we have the ability to wear especially mm-hmm. jerseys. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a big push for the NHL, obviously, for the past couple of years. Uh, the AHL last year, is the, this is the first time that they really, uh, really adopted it in working with the NHL. Uh, the NHL has you know, given them the rights to use all the marks and everything like that. And t- while teams may have done hockey fights, cancer nights in the past, now they're truly offici- uh, affiliated with the NHL uh, situation that they've got going on. So you see a lot of the specialty jerseys, which is cool because we've done pink in the rink before. And pink in the rink certainly works great in lots of different markets. It worked fantastic for us when we were in Worcester. It, we've done the jerseys, but unless you can paint the ice pink and really go full tilt on all the activation it doesn't have it doesn't resonate as much whereas hockey fights cancer we've already got the activation built in because it's gonna be the same weekend as the sharks hockey fights cancer weekend so all the dashers will be purple the lighting is going to be purple there's all kinds of things going on especially jerseys we've got the lavender tape the helmet decals for the whole month all that good stuff and it's like it covers cancer as a whole as opposed to just a breast cancer initiative so I think there's more people it's something more people want to get behind and people love when the Sharks do their hockey fights cancer jerseys and they've been asking for this for a while so I'm glad we were able to finally bring it to life and get it done and you mentioned uh fans who you know are familiar with the Cheerios night the San Jose Giants are doing a Barracuda night um, fill us in on a little bit of the details mm-hmm. on that that's coming up um in the next week yeah so a little bit different than our San Jose Giants partnership where we're doing specialty jerseys. Uh, maybe that's something they do in, in the future. Uh, but for this year, uh, it's going to just going to be a Barracuda night where we're kind of, the hope is, I mean, we used to do Barracuda nights and they were a ticket package type deal and we'd have Gigante out here and we would do the same thing there. We'd bring Frenzy out, but it hasn't been anything huge. I think this is the first time where we're really trying to make it more for both our games and theirs. So obviously we're doing the jerseys. Uh, but there, we're going to get some players involved this time around. Uh, Alexander True, Manny Weeder will be there on August 30th. They're going to sign some autographs, I believe, from about 5.45 to 6.15, I, I think. So they'll catch their season ticket holders and the first kind of wave of the general public. And they're going to throw out the first pitch. Uh, Frenzy will be there throughout the game, uh, you know, as long as he gets back from the spa in time. Uh, that's where he's, he's currently at. He's, he's spending some time. Uh, the spa in Calgary. So as long as he gets back in time, he'll be good to go for that. We've got, uh, I believe, that we've got some inner uh, in-between innings activities that we can find some Barracuda fans for. Uh, I mean, I'll be there, not that I'm very important. I think you mentioned you might be heading out there. Uh, Mike Murphy may stop by. So it's it'll be a cool night to kind of hang out, watch some baseball, enjoy some good barbecue, grab a churro or two, and, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully cheer the Giants on to a victory. Absolutely. So we're still in the bi-weekly program here in terms of recording the podcast. So we'll talk to everybody in a couple of weeks. You got anything else, Joe, before we sign up? Well, I mean, I, I would imagine some- I would imagine we probably start going back to weekly once we get once you get back from Anaheim. Sure. As we hit into training camp and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we asked for fan questions uh, to see if anybody had anything. We got a couple. Nothing too crazy. Uh, we got one. 
two, three, couple, couple questions we can probably right, go through. So, uh, the first one is on the topic of our specialty jerseys and theme nights. Which specialty jersey are you looking forward to most? So, for you, is it that Hockey Fights Cancer jersey, or do you have a different one? Well, I do like the Hockey Fights Cancer. I love the idea behind it and the initiative and what we're supporting. But I don't know why, but I'm a fan of kind of obnoxious jerseys, and I love the, the Roy Sommer Cowboy. The man. country one? The country one. I love the bobblehead. I, he's been kind of asking indirectly for a bobblehead for a while. I think he deserves it. He's, oh, he's going well, to, I believe, his 22nd year. He is all about this idea. He's, like, when I've sent him pictures of the mock-up and whatnot, he's, I'm getting pictures back of his horses in Montana. <laughs> like, he's he's all geared up, ready to go. And uh, if you're una- unaware, we do call him the Cowboy. That's why this is Cowboy Night. It goes into Cuda Country, all tied in together. The jerseys are awesome. You can check them out um, on our promotional list at shibarakudu.com slash schedule slash promotional schedule. And you can check out the entire list of jerseys. But I think this one is my favorite. I love the whole theme going around it. I plan on wearing a bolo tie. I'll probably throw on some cowboy boots. Hopefully we'll have, uh, we got some ideas in terms of some events we'll have maybe on the Yeah, the activation is still, I mean, it's, this game's not March we got some time but there are definitely th- ideas that we have and things we want to do to really make this a you know we call this CUDA country but this is really CUDA country where it's we're trying to make it country theme country western country music all that good mm-hmm. stuff so uh, it's kind of a, a play on words if mm-hmm. you will but uh, yeah no very I think that that and that'll be cool I mean the, the summer bobble is going to be a win counter right mm-hmm. so as he's chasing 800 this year you're going to be able to kind of count along with him and that number is just going to keep growing so pretty cool feature to have there yeah Roy's just uh 36 wins away from 800 he's averaged over 30 wins per season for the last you know I'd say six seven years I mean especially over the last five years um so not out of the realm of possibility yeah. that he gets there I so. mean you you half you 34 games is half the season yep. right so as long as you finish above 500 mm-hmm. which I would expect the Barracuda to do this should be you know an attainable number mm-hmm. for him um yeah so, I think my favorite jersey. I don't. I don't mean to cut you off. No, no. I'm. I think. I'm. I'm a little bit biased, but I think this this churros night is is going to be fantastic. I think the activation that goes into it, the fact that both fan bases are very similar, and the the San Jose Giants and the Barracuda, they're different seasons. We're able to partner up, and to my knowledge, I don't think there has been a crossover like this where an AHL team has crossed over with their, you know same city counterpart in a different sport i think actually i saw the jacksonville jumbo shrimp and the Icemen are doing a crossover <laughs> uh for for their baseball jerseys but not for hockey so i think this is a different unique type of theme promotion that hopefully uh gets people really excited and uh essentially we're bringing baseball to the ice so i think that's uh we got some cool stuff planned and i guarantee i am crushing at least three or four of those churros i Big Churro fan. I know. Well, we're hoping to get Paul the Churro guy out here. uh, Local legend. Not to make his own churros, but hopefully just to have him out here for, you know, puck drop and just a kind of photo op, celebrity appearance, whatever you want to call it. Um, But we'll definitely, um, we'd be crazy not to sell churros, so I'm sure we'll be doing that as well. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of all I got on the specialty jersey question. Uh, The other uh, questions we got, you know, who do you think will score the first goal of the season? I think we save this one for a little bit because we don't know what the roster looks like. So until we know what the roster looks like, we can't really dive into this one too much. Um, here's a good one that it's kind of dives deeper into the whole hockey operation side a little bit. It's whenever you're talking about bringing a player up to the NHL, is there ever a real disagreement 
within the coaching staff for the hockey offside as to who's the next person in line to get the recall. Um, and obviously I'm not in those conversations. I'm not in on the hockey ops side of the business. Uh, I know you're a little bit closer to it than I am, but I think it's the coaches aren't really the ones making that decision. That really comes from Joe and, and Doug and Doug Jr., the, the real the brass of the hockey ops side. Yeah, I'm sure Pete DeBoer has an insight and a little bit of a you know an impact on that for sure. Um, AHL coaches aren't going to have any sort of impact on that. You know, it's it's that's not their decision. Uh, from my experience, you know, everybody's pretty much on the same page. I think it's pretty well known on who's kind of in the mix to get an opportunity. Uh, I look back to a couple years for an example. Danny O'Regan was a guy who just lit up the AHL's mm-hmm. rookie season, um, was the rookie of the year. And I think, you know, if you look strictly at it from a statistical standpoint that season, Danny was probably near the top of a guy that should have gotten a look. But you also have a young guy, an experienced mm-hmm. guy, a guy who physically – doesn't necessarily check all the boxes. Danny is not your prototypical, you know, larger hockey player. He was under 5'11 and not the biggest guy. So I think from a philosophy standpoint, you know, maybe statistically he should have been given a bigger look at the time. But it wasn't necessarily what the Sharks needed or what Pete felt was appropriate. So I think that would be the only time you could kind of look at something. You know, maybe a guy doesn't fit the profile that the nhl coach wants but and every and every role is different too if you're yep. looking you know you may be looking for a, a guy who's going to play your top line well maybe you're the f- guy who's closest ready for a call-up isn't that kind of player right so it's sure. whatever fits the system at the time and, and the way it works so yeah. uh but i don't think there's ever a disagreement i think anytime somebody gets called up they're deserving of it yep um so i i, I don't see it yeah i think more as you mentioned more to fit the specific role. Last mm-hmm. year, you could look at like a Lukas Rodil, older player, 28, bigger body, fit more as a fourth line, grinded out, willing to take the physical punishment compared to maybe a Dylan Gambrell, who more his skill set fits in a top six role, mm-hmm. right? So do you want him to go and play in the NHL and play limited minutes on a fourth line on a checking line when really his skill set fits more in a top role? A Lukas Rodil more willing and inclined to play that role because his skill set fits that mm-hmm. a little bit better. So, yeah. again, it's supply and demand, what you need, and what the player fits. Yeah. And the last question here comes from uh, courtesy of a member of our staff, uh, and I will let you figure out who this person <laughs> is after I ask the question. But the Sharks have Finn, you know, this the new, uh, I guess it's the Sharks pup. It's yep. the Sharks pup, Finn. He's going to be training with uh, Canine Companions to be a, uh, a guide dog for, for some very lucky, hopefully, Sharks fan here uh, in the next couple months uh, to a year. But the question was, who is the best team dog in the American Hockey League? And so I know the Checkers, I think it's the Checkers, and maybe it could even be the Canes dog, is Calder. Uh, and actually, now that I think about it, it is the Checkers dog because <laughs> yeah. it's called Calder. That makes sense. But uh, I will say our team dog which i'm just naming it our team dog uh nick gialdini's pup zoe uh is hands down the american league's top dog and it, i believe it they got it from humane from the society show, from the humane society so yep. they were they did a good deed local too. adopt don't shop the whole the whole thing uh so it'll be cool I'm, I'm hoping zoe spends a lot of time at the rink as she has this summer i'm hoping she spends a lot of time at the rink this season i think it, it's a Huge morale boost. Anytime you have to play with a dog, it's a morale boost. Uh, and if they can, you know, train the dog to, to do some fun things around the rink, like, uh, you know, 
know, bring guys rolls of tape or whatnot. It could be pretty cool. But I think it'll be exciting to, you know, walk in there in the morning and be greeted by this puppy who's just happy to see anybody who walks in the room. And Nick, who does all of our logistics, who does all of our travel, also is our video coach. Hey, maybe you can sneak an extra flight. Maybe get uh, Zoe on one of those flights. We need it, you know, sometimes you need a therapy dog. Hey. Especially on the road. I you know what I mean? So I think you're on Maybe something. I'm on to something, yeah. yeah. But it'll definitely, a te- you know, just morale, dogs around. Yeah. You know, just, I don't know. I'm all for I it. I think we're dog people. Yep. I think that sums up. So that's all I got for this week. Yeah, that's it. I think we're holding it. It is the people. dog days, no pun intended, of the off season. Not a lot in terms of headlines, but we'll have a lot of stuff starting to come up in the next couple of weeks. So by the time we talk to you next, should have a little bit more uh, in terms of news and, and a little bit more insight going into the rookie faceoff and into training camp as well. So for now, we'll say so long and we'll talk to you all very, very soon. See you. See you.